You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me is my amazing co host. I say that begrudgingly. <laughs> it's Valerie Willis. She's going to regret that later. Don't worry. <laughs> I, already regretting it. Already regretting it. And our guest today is the amazing Lynn Chantel. Woo! <laughs> okay. Welcome, welcome. Let's talk about what we're drinking. So I. Wait, wait, wait. You forgot. To tell them to like, subscribe, comments, didn't we? Did okay. See, it, it hasn't even been thirty seconds. <laughs> She's gone. already regretting having me here. <laughs> okay, so back to what we're drinking. So I did potentially go to Wendy's today for lunch, but and I got a lemonade. But what I did is I drank a certain portion of it, and then I put. Um, some of the lightning in the lemonade because the lightning goes well with the lemonade. Yes, it does. So this might be disastrous for me, which is the Skunk Brothers lightning. It's kind of amazing, but um, it's moonshine. Go team in the yes. afternoon. Moonshine in the afternoon. Okay, Val, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm. I I still haven't made it to the liquor store since our last podcast. So I'm doing the Italian sparkling drink, some Pellegrino. Uh, it's the blood orange. I actually enjoy this quite a bit. This is, this is, I've been trying to cut soda out of my life. And this is my spark fizzy thing that I go to now. I'm just putting that out there. I don't know how somebody can talk about drinking San Pellegrino in an awkward way, but you manage to do it every time. <laughs> so go team. Is that okay. how it's said? Yeah. <laughs> Lynn, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a wine cooler. Hey. Yeah, I think it's Seagram's. Um, let me see what flavor it is. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, I think that's pina colada. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I that's... think people underestimate the massive power of a wine cooler. I remember the Bartles and James commercials. Do we all remember the Bartles and James commercials? Val probably doesn't, yes. but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, Lynn, so for the audience at large that may not know your work, what do you write? I write uh, erotic, romantic, suspense, steamy romance in, oh goodness, what is it? Interracial and multicultural African-American genres. Which is very cool. And your lead character, if I recall, and I'm trying to recall correctly, is also um, has a disability, correct? Yes, yes. All of the lead characters, um, at least one of them, will have a disability, uh, either legally blind or totally blind or somewhere in between. Which is amazing, amazing. And I, I think that is so awesome. So, um. We, what what made you decide to start writing? What made you decide to even go down this path of naughty, awesome suspensefulness? Well, it was 
at first it was just suspensefulness. Um, I wanted, I wanted to see more characters uh, that I could relate to. And it just kind of morphed into uh, the erotic part because I really didn't write a lot of the, as they call it, blue romance beforehand. So uh, I read a book, <laughs> I had some great critique <laughs> partners and they go, you're really good at this. Why don't you try more? And I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And as they say, the rest is history. I think that's amazing. So when did you first start writing? Like, what is your, your sort of writing journey? Like, you know, so where did it all begin? Take us back. Take us back. I've been writing, uh, I would say forever. I think um, one of my, my earliest writings was third grade and I created a four-year-old um, amateur sleuth who would solve crimes around her grade school. And it just kind of progressed from there, uh, writing little skits. And uh, I, was, I was actually really big on writing skits and plays in school and poetry. And somehow uh, I wanna say my first romance novel that I wrote was, oh, somewhere in longhand that has long since been, oh no, I did transcribe it. So it is on the, my hard drive somewhere. some 80,000 word monstrosity that I boiled down into a short story that I'm gonna go back and, you know, clean up the original manuscript and put out there. And I think it was called His Sister's Keeper and centered on, um, well, see, I used to watch a lot of soap operas back then. So I kind of modeled it after The Young and the Restless. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, I remember that one, The Guiding Light. Uh, yes, yes. Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives yes. was another one. Those were the three yes. that between my, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mom were always mm -hmm. on the TV. And then if grandpa had the TV, it was uh, Heat of the Night. You know, night. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, you know, took it, you know, after the, was it Jabot, which was in um, The Young and the Restless, the cosmetic company. So I said, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a, an African-American um, protagonist who ran a, who ran a cosmetics company and, you know, how they did all of that and had her father who was overbearing and wanted to force her into marriage. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that definitely sounds like a soap opera plot though too so yes. I, will, yes. I, yes. I give many kudos on that <laughs> so what was your first published work then my first published work was seducing his wife and the setup for that was um second chance of course I like second chances but a wife who thought her husband had cheated on her and she left him that very same day, never having a conversation between the two. And he eventually um, comes to her because his sister um, has a run-in with Child Protective Services and he wants to secure his nephew um, until his sister can get him back. So that was kind of the setup for that. And then they go into all the details of why she left in the first place. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow, I like it. I like it. So when was that? 
2010, I think. Yeah. Wow. I think so you've been on this journey a little bit. When you published that one, how was it published? It was published with uh, Whispers Publishing Company, and they're no longer in business. Um, so they were my first uh, ebook ebook uh, publisher. Very and, cool. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that was. I had been sending out uh, query letters and everything over oh the last several years and. Um, when I woke up to that, it was like, oh, hey, we want your manuscript. And the one time I could not get, I could not call my sister, my dad, or anybody because they were all busy or couldn't come to the phone. So I ended up sharing the great news with my kids. So they were the first to hear. <laughs> no, that's, that is so amazing. So is it still in print or where, where is this book? Yes, yes, I, I've got the rights back and it is still up and available. You can get it on Amazon or wherever your favorite retailer is. That is very, very cool. So how many books mm -hmm. in are you now? So 2010 was the beginning of the journey. How far in are you? Oh, gosh, uh, at least 30 books, at Let least, me. yes. Um, and I still have some that I have not uh, republished as of yet that are still on my computer. But yeah, I think right now there's about 30 books that are out there. Oh my goodness. Talk about a prolific author. Yes. I just it. learned something. I just learned something there. Wow. That is amazing. So what has it been like this journey? Because you've been traditionally published and you're self-published. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's got to have different fun, interesting aspects to go. It, it, it does. Um, I went the uh, self-publishing route before, but with the vanity presses and really didn't know what I was doing. Um, so having a traditional publisher, I said, okay, let me just sit back and see what they do. And I got into a lot of writer reader groups, uh, which was great to interact with the authors and ask them questions. And I even got a chance to mingle with, um, I think was at that time an author from one of the big five publishers. And she said, yes, we have money for, for advertisement and marketing. He said, but unless you're one of those number one best-selling authors that are in-house, you're still gonna have to do a lot of the promotion yourself. So before I even signed, you know, my con my first contract with Whispers, I already knew I was going to have to promote and market myself if I wanted to succeed. And that's what I've been doing ever since. No, totally. We, we talk about mm -hmm. that a lot on this show is that any author who thinks that they're going to come in and that the publication house is going to do all the promotion for them, I'm like, no, that's that. No, that's not how that works. You know, no matter who you are, even some of the people that like you talk about the, the you know, the top 1%, but there's another 99% beneath there in chunks mm -hmm. of how many books they sell that still don't. And, and it that's, I think, a very interesting um, point in getting uh, talking about, you know, work and self publishing, because the other thing I think is interesting, because you've um, been in both of these spheres, which I think is amazing, is 
um, how to judge that you are one of the best sellers. I've talked about this a lot recently because, you know, we talk about New York Times bestseller, USA Today bestseller, mm-hmm. whatever. But that doesn't actually mean your book sells a certain quantity of books. Mm-hmm. You know, how to judge whether or not you're a top seller is there isn't actually a clear um, delineation of what that actually means. If you think about it, because, you know, you have self-published authors who are selling way more than most traditionally published authors mm-hmm. you know, on, you know, Kindle Unlimited or some of these other things or in the ebook thing. Like, it's so different that we don't have a clear, like, uh, metrics on this. And you mm-hmm. can thank the lightning for me going down that particular path. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Right. I was to say. Uh, and attack on to that, each genre is drastically different on what those numbers mm-hmm. entail. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I love what you're doing. I love what you were saying earlier that you wanted the right stories that, that, you, that you could relate to, that you could see yourself in. What, mm-hmm. what, are, what is that protagonist, you know, if you could define your ideal protagonist, what would that person be like? Mm. Strong, sassy. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Independent. Um, let's see. Intelligent. And always, you know, beautiful. You know, she's 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 gonna have some sort of quirk to her, but just that, you know, she 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 might. Oh, hey, hi, Mona. It's okay. Um, the cat's part of the podcast now. Part of the podcast. <laughs> podcast cat. <laughs> yeah, you have your you have your moment of, of fame here. And now okay. the dog's in, in on it. And now <laughs> yes. the dog's like, I want to be on the podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, but I, I like those uh doesn't necessarily need a man to rescue her. Yeah. Um those are what my characters my female characters look like so yeah I I like that because I don't necessarily need a man to rescue me I I think that's brilliant do you think that what readers are looking for in their protagonists are changing yes yes I know they still want you know they still want to be swept away but they don't want that that simpering woman um you know like oh my gosh woe is me you know I don't think they want that you know they still they maybe want something you know between you know that woe is me and hey I don't need a man for nothing um so (laughs) well I I still want that romance I think you're right and I mean there's what I like too with everything from when you started publishing and moving forward because really you talk 2010 is about the time self-publishing starts becoming like a thing like we stop looking at it as much as oh you just suck so horribly nobody wanted you so you had to do it yourself which was how self-publishing was being looked at for Mm -hmm. so many years right right right. um what about I said, yeah, for, for a lot of years. And, and that turning point yeah, was definitely 2010 where even agents were starting to recommend people to go that path. 
um, because that's how I ended up there at the beginning of my career. And in 2009, 2010 was I actually got emails of saying, here's some information about self-publishing that you should consider because you mix too many genres and this is a marketing nightmare and they're never going to touch Cedric the Demonic Knight. And I'm like, but he's so sexy. Everyone wants to touch him. (laughs) I like that title. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, it's interesting you talk about that. And, you know, we we are seeing because of self-publishing and not as quickly into the top traditional publishers, but more of the, you know, newer presses, medium presses and stuff like that, where they're Mm -hmm. taking genres and going, they don't have to be this little thing. You don't have to have just a sweet romance with a heroine that's desperately in distress. You can have a sweet romance with these other factors or an erotic romance with these other, you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, this, you talked about what you write and it's like suspense and all this stuff where if you went back to 2009, the likelihood you could find the book you're talking about Mm -hmm. is almost non-existent, right? Like you would be super lucky if you happen to come across it, you know, somehow magically, but they weren't really out there. And now they're out there. I love what this cat is like. I'm going to be a part of this podcast, whether you like it or not. I love it. Yeah, this is Mona. Absolutely adorable. But I think that's important. And then were you such a, a huge reader? Oh my gosh, I am still a huge reader. Uh, <laughs> some of the main genres I read are uh, action, adventure, suspense, sci-fi, paranormal, um, if it has a little romance in it, that's okay. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Um, I was going to yeah. say, do you read a lot of the genre you write? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think I used to, but I've just kind of gotten away from it. But I think I, I do prefer uh, my romance with something else to it. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't, I should probably ask this more, but I don't remember these things and I can't imagine why. (laughs) As she takes a drink of her lightning. (laughs) Um, But I think it's interesting when you write a certain genre, some authors are like, yes, I read, I read what everybody else is doing. Then I feel like there's no kind of like I sometimes it's either. Yes. I read it all the time Mm -hmm. or I know like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of middle ground with people on that sort of thing. They're either really into it or they're kind of like, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think that depends what motivated you to write in that genre. So like my frustration with a lot of alt history mythology field pieces is that they were using the more Christianized version of the mythology. And I'm like, no, like we got to really dig into the roots. So mm-hmm. it's, not very often that I will indulge in, in a mythology fiction or mythology romance as mm-hmm. often as you would think I do with as much as I pack into my Cedric series. And it's because I've read it, I've dabbled in it just enough to know what I want to do differently. And then the rest of what I read is 180 of what I'm writing a little bit. You know, uh, I read a lot of nonfiction stuff. Uh, more so these days than I've ever done in the past. Um, and most of the fiction stuff are like more rom-com-ish, goofy kind of stuff. And my stuff doesn't totally always 
it's very dark undertones all the time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I gotta come no, up for air. I gotta come up for air, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I get that. Cause you know, it's like you need a palette cleanser. Um, you know, so you're writing multiple sex scenes, you know, in a day, it's like, okay, well, I don't quite want to read that. So let's go do something else. But I do try to read um, some of the other authors, you know, that are in my genre just to, just to keep abreast of what's going on out there. No, that makes sense. Okay. We actually need to take a quick break. We will be right back with Drinking With Authors. It's time for a promo for the Epsilon 3 podcast. The Epsilon 3? What do we talk about? It's a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Babylon 5? What's that? It's the greatest 1990s sci-fi show in history. How are we going to watch it? With glee and excitement. How would we rate those kind of episodes? Out of jump gates. How many jump gates? Out of five jump gates. Because it's Babylon 5. That is correct. If you go to Zahadum, you will die. But you know what you won't do? You won't die listening to the Epsilon 3 podcast right here on the ESO Network. We're back. Okay, let's talk about because 30 books in, um, 30, more than 30 books in 12 years. Did I just see that math correctly? Right? No, 12, 14 yes. years? What yes. year? Yes. 2023. It is 2023. Yeah, it's what? 13. I guess now we're 13 in years in. It's crazy. Okay, we're doing math. Let's not do that. <laughs> no, that was painful. I had to take another drink. I don't even know where the <laughs> with that math. That was terrible math. Um, and I've disclaimed on the podcast many times I don't do the math. So I feel like I'm in a safe place. A safe space on doing the math, but the is is, um, <laughs> uh, if I do the if I do more math, oh dear God, why did I start myself down this path? Um, <laughs> is you're writing about three books or more a year? Yes, yes. How many books per year do you write? I don't. I've never actually just counted how many books I you know a year that I wrote. It was just. Okay. I see you also don't do the maths. No, um, no, I just fellow non-mather club. <laughs> <laughs> it's just get it, get it done, get it out. You know, um, I think the only time I've actually no, I didn't even stop and figure out how many books I wrote for Vibe in one year. So I just know it was a lot. Um. Vibe, which is the, the one of the more recent series, correct? You're putting out. Yeah. Yes, the visually imp- visually impaired blind entrepreneurs there we go I think the I'm a lightweight when it comes to any type of alcohol so now I'm having trouble thinking <laughs> it's okay that's what we like on this podcast welcome to the non-thinker club <laughs> I I like to be used as a bad example so this is <laughs> created this podcast somebody asked me that the other day for something they're like what what made you create the podcast and I'm like well I didn't create the concept of the whole show because that was um, me and another friend but um the, the idea I get to sit around and drink with authors is like the coolest idea on the planet like I do this every day and sometimes too <laughs> so let's let's talk about how much you write do you write every day I try to um usually four or five hours wow writers (laughs) listen up this is how you get it done 
<laughs> well, I, you know, I've tried like a whole bunch of things. And right now I'm going back to what worked for me, which was writing at night, uh, trying to write during the day. There's a lot of distractions. It's just, it's, it's just very distracting for me. But once I kind of settle down, you know, about six, seven o'clock at night, you know, I can, I can get the words out. And if I get stuck on one story, you know, trying to figure out how I want the scene to go, then I'll pop over to another one and work on that one for a little while. And, you know, so I'll go back and forth like that um, a little bit and then get up, take a break and start it all over again. That is awesome. Do you listen to a lot of music and stuff when you're writing? I do. I do. And the music will depend on what I'm writing. Um, I've got a couple of go-to lists. If I want something, if I'm doing a more sensual love scene, then I kind of go to my old school love songs. Uh, Got a great playlist for that. And I just got to know. Is Barry White on that playlist because he of, needs to be? Of course. There's a got Barry White. Uh, that man's voice, I'm telling you. <laughs> I saw an interview with him and and I can't remember who was interviewing, but they asked him, like, did you just wake up one morning with the voice? And he goes, actually, yes, and scared the shit out of me and my mother that morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <I can't> imagine. <laughs> so do you do do you keep your playlists do you share them with your um followers and stuff like that sometimes I do sometimes I do or I'll say okay this song has been uh on my mind or you know I've been writing to this song and it's not unusual unusual for me to play the same song for an hour or three just I just want Lynn to release her let's get it on playlist that's what I want. <laughs> I want the let's get it on playlist to be released so when we're reading parts of your book we can be like play let's do this <laughs> <laughs> what was Lynn listening to when she wrote this particular naughtiness Ooh, I could do that that would be good see now I've got to go back through and read it and I can probably tell you what I was listening to I just think it's, you know, as far as insight into sort of, you know, as a fan, when you have uh, an author and you kind of go, what made them tick? What made them write this? Where were they at when they wrote this? Whatever piece that was um, important to the um, audience or just like amazing and everything. Because as avid readers, we read a lot of stuff and it can be great stuff, but that doesn't mean everything stays with you necessarily from everything you read. Mm -hmm. Yay. If you're one of those humans, but I don't happen to be one of those humans at everything, but every now and then a scene will stay with me. And I always go, I wonder what it was like when the author was writing this scene, because as an author myself, I know what it's like when I'm writing certain scenes and where was my mindset and how did I get to the point where I'm doing something um with the character or characters you know or making that choice do you ever have anybody ask you about that like those now that I'm asking you one of those questions I'll take another sip of my drink and (laughs) I I feel very profound this afternoon actually and I believe Stunt Brothers has assisted me with that (laughs) what what was the question (laughs) the question was 
Um, has anybody ever asked you of, like about a particular scene or something like that and asked about what where you were at when you were writing that scene? Not, Not like physically where you were at, but. Huh. Not really. Not really. But for, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for certain songs, I mean, for certain scenes, like, um, trying to think, I, I don't remember which book it was in. But Luther Vandross is only only one only for one night. That song was on repeat, and it's been on repeat for me for a couple of different scenes in the Vibe series. So just those, because there's just something about this song that's this longing, you know, this tenderness that's in it, and it helps to get my head in the right space to write that same, you know, that same thing between the characters. Very then, cool. Of course. I'm gonna ask a sexing question. All of us on this particular call write erotica in different fashions. And this is kind of an opportunity to make Val blush even though I'm not talking to her, but she's already <laughs> starting to do it. So, um, which is so funny to me. She actually just finished yet another one of her books in her erotic series. And mm -hmm. I just think it's funny how embarrassed she still is. Something like 15 books later, she still acts like a four-year-old when it comes to, anyway. So my question for you is sex scenes and the idea for sex scenes. And okay. do you ever have to like get a set of dolls out to go with this work? Or like, how do you, how do you tackle that? <laughs> so that it's not the same. <laughs> you like there's learning. a lot of tackling <laughs> but let me talk another sip of my drink <laughs> some more moonshine to feel the rest of this question moonshine is helping with the interview today oh that is a great question oh. but I'm, I'm curious because one of the things i look at when i'm writing them is i don't want them to all be the same i don't want to use the mm -hmm. same words i don't want somebody reading my book to go oh my God, this is the same scene again, or, you know, whatever. Yes, so yes. Uh, how, how have you, um, when you ventured into this realm, tackled mm -hmm. this particular situation? So you're not using the word like cock 500 times in your book, right? Right. Uh, just, you know, switching it up. Cause that's still one of my favorite words. So I try to switch it up, you know, cock, dick. Uh, no, I don't use that one. Um, have you ever used throbbing member? I remember oh that as one of the first things no. I read in one of the Harlequin books. <laughs> throbbing member. I don't think I, I don't think I've used that. I have used throbbing, but I don't know if I've used throbbing member. New goal uh, for everyone on this call: use throbbing member at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I might oh. have. I just don't recall that right now. The one that gets me is when they're like, it sprung forth. And I'm like, what? Like, okay. the jack in the box kind of element? <laughs> like, yeah. like, my brain starts to like, oh, a squirrel we could chop it out of the bushes. <laughs> I love that you just made that analogy. I know exactly what springing forth means, but the fact that you went to, it's like a squirrel jumping out of the bushes. What in the actual fuck, Val? Wow. 
What kind of experiences have you had? Did the scenes come flying in from a distant land? I can't help how I process and then vision stuff. Oh Oh my goodness. I would say before before my sight got too bad, I did watch porn to see if something was possible. Um, And... Yeah, or, or to keep things fresh and new when I realized I was, you know, like, okay, my God, this is the same scene over and over again. Let me see if I can spice this up a little bit. And yeah, yeah, there's some pretty interesting um, videos out there and some very interesting pictures that make you go like, wow, I didn't know that was possible. But I guess if you're flexible, you have an open mind and a lot of lube, anything is possible. <laughs> No, that's true. But I also think um, um, that, uh, I'm going to use my words. I think that some of the stuff is great to read or see in a porn. But if you tried to do practical application in life, that won't work. (laughs) Hips might pop. (laughs) Hence the the springing forth from the... Springing forth for a different reason. ...happened there. You know, like, um, Val, uh, I guess no cock has ever sprung forth from anything for her, you know. Oh my gosh, or, you know, they always omit the oh, I got it cramped, my leg is cramped up. They don't, you know, we don't really write that in there, but that is funny. Um, uh, it's in my books when those things happen. Oh. I write humorous erotica, so yeah, I'm visiting We double down on that stuff. Like, I have oh one in the tub trying to have sex, she spins over her knee pops, and she's like, Get off! He goes, I'm trying. <laughs> so, oh my god, I love that we're on this topic. Let's, let, let's, let's talk about. Those kind of things when, um, so one of the things Val has run into, and I don't know if you've ever run into this, Lynn, but um, Val has been typing and her husband or kids will walk in and she's like broken monitors because instead of coolly, calmly just clicking close on the document, she's like violently thrown the monitor off the table trying to get them not to see it. Yes. I haven't quite, I haven't quite done that, but. I have tried to maneuver so nobody could look behind me or walk up behind me to see what I'm writing, especially when I'm in one of those scenes. Uh, But yeah, lots of closed uh, laptop lids. Like, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't read. Don't, don't, don't read. Don't read. Don't read. So are your kids of the age where they can read stuff yet? Yes. Yes. Have they? Um. Have they told you that they have? Mine have not. Mine aren't there yet. But Erica, um, well, they're all grown now, except for uh, one that I that I, I co-parent, seven year old, and and I think he did read something on my screen, but I don't remember what it was. He says, "I didn't understand it, Mom." I'm like going, "Good." <laughs> well, when my daughter was sixteen, she did read one of my books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I went, whatever. It's educational. There's stuff in that book that you learn not to do. 
And I'm not talking about the sex stuff. I'm just talking about relationship advice. Like, here's mm-hmm. some good relationship advice, my friend. Um, do you ever get so what kind of comments do you get on your your writing? You have naughty writing. Do you get any comments on it from um readers and stuff? Um uh, not to my face. Uh, I've only had so far. I've only had one friend who goes, "Oh my gosh, I love your steaminess. It's it is so great." It's uh, so that one. Um, she got me with that. But then uh, my daughter in law, she actually read a couple of my books and she enjoyed them. So that is about the extent of how, that. How do you feel with the comments coming in? Because I know how Val feels. I was just like, "That's cool," you know. Like I don't. Care. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it feels good. I get that warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, when someone tells me that they enjoyed, that they enjoyed reading something that I wrote and that's, you know, it's like, oh, you really read it. Okay, cool. All right. So, so tell your what about your reviews? Do you pay attention to your reviews or are you of the mind to not bother? Like, where are you at on that? It's a it's a necessary evil. I'll go out and I'll check them, see where I'm at, you know, what people are saying, you know, if I get comments like needs more character development, which was something that happened a lot early in my writing career. And I said, okay, maybe this is just one or two just overzealous reviewers, but then I had more than a handful and I was like, okay, maybe this is an issue. So, you know, that's constructive, but just saying, I didn't like this book. I'm like, okay, that's not, really telling me much of anything other than why didn't you like it <laughs> yeah well and reviews can all need to be taken with a grain of salt I love that you said what you said about the review because I think that is especially for new authors or self-published authors there can be some advice that you can get right mm-hmm. like the changes tenses the character development I'd love to see more of this but you know, if you, um, if it's just, I didn't like it, or, you know, <laughs> um, one of the books, somebody was telling me a review, Val, you were t- talking about this, so me and um, Lightning are going to try to remember, I think there was too much kissing, like it was a, a, a steamy oh, romance. No. And- my, my, oh, it was Sleeping with Sasquatch. <laughs> Which is an erotic book. Uh, yeah, Sleeping with Sasquatch, Urban Legend Erotica Collection is the series mm-hmm. name and I got a one-star review and it starts with this book is like the other horny woman in a romance. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Yes, it is. I'm glad you, I'm glad you acknowledged what this book was about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause that's what you're getting. Oh, um, there's too I much sex. <laughs> yeah. There was too much sex in the erotica book is basically what it sums up. And then the other one that got me was this book is unrealistic. I can't believe his friends would put a Craigslist ad out to find him a date. Oh my goodness. Not (laughs) the part that he shifts in and out of being Sasquatch. Like that wasn't (laughs) real. What was unrealistic? It was the Craigslist ad. The Craigslist ad. I went too far, Lynn. I went too far. Well, see, I think that, no, I've actually seen Craigslist ads. I know that part. Where you think I got that? I'm like, I have friends who would have done that for me, right, Erica? I wouldn't have oh. done it on 
Craigslist? What the hell does that mean? Like, <laughs> now, I don't know what other friends you have there, Val, that would use Craigslist of all the places to find you a date, but if you'd oh like me God. to, I can do a post for you to see how that goes. I'm sure your husband would love that. I'll give me your address so they can just show up dressed as Sasquatch. That's what you're looking for. No, no. I already have some places. Oh, my God. That would not be the funniest thing in the world. I hate that I had that idea. You better hope I forget about it. <laughs> because, man, that would be a brilliant. I can just imagine Val answering the door. Mm -hmm. Being like, here you go. <laughs> Look, I already asked the Jack Link Sasquatch guy to <laughs> sign a photo for me, and it's the sexy Sasquatch scene. Oh my <laughs> god! Sexy nice, nice. And he signed it to me. What is Lynn? What is one of your most interesting fan interactions? Oh goodness, I don't get out much. Um. <laughs> Oh, even online. Uh, most, I'd say most recently, it was just, it, it still floors me that I have fans. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, wow, she was, she's just, she was so, you know, excited and energetic to meet me. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just me, you know? Oh, you had your fangirl. You had the fangirl moment. Yeah. I mean, they're so excited to meet you. And you're like, why are they this excited to <laughs> right <laughs> I, don't, I don't get i don't get it you know and, and, but you know it, it was just so cool and just you know that somebody you know she took she took the time to you know she didn't even go home you know she was like i'm late cooking dinner but i just had to come out and meet you and i'm like oh my god that is so great thank you so much you know it's it's very humbling and you know but at the same time i'm like i'm, I'm just me you know nothing nobody's special yeah, but you who's made an impact we have to remember that as authors is that whether it's small <laughs> or large <laughs> get it erotic writers um <laughs> that we've made an impact on people's lives on to a degree as authors there's somebody out there that read it and it meant something to them whatever it meant mm -hmm. and because we have the same thing happen to us when we read things things mean something we take it with us you know and move it forward. So I think it's fantastic. And it is, it is humbling. And I think a lot of people don't realize as authors, you know, we're a sort of a different breed of celebrity than a lot of celebrities. Cause mm -hmm. we're, we're very like, no, but no, we're the fans. We're fans of other people. You know, people are like, Oh my God, I love your work. And I'm like, yay. I, I feel the same way about <laughs> blah, you know, like, okay, weird. And it's wild because that that sensation, uh, even when we talked to like Jonathan Mayberry on the, on the last time we we got to speak with him, he was talking about, you know, this celebrity coming up, wanting a signed copy. And he's like, oh, my God, you read my book. And he's like, yeah, so-and-so, which is another celebrity name, recommended it to me. And he's like, oh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, even for yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's weird. Cause you know, just having, yes, other authors come up to me and say, Oh my God, I love your work. You know, sign this for me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, but you're, you're so much cooler than I am. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. Okay. We are actually, I can't believe we're at the end here. 
Lynn, it's shameless self-promotion time. So first of all, what's coming up next for you? Next coming up for me is Chef's Taste. Um, releasing what, this month on the 24th? Very good. Um, yep, that, that comes out. Um, what else am I doing? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> in April, I've got, what is it? IRAE in Tampa on the April 28th through the 30th. I will be there signing books. And let me see, what else am I doing? Got a bunch of other stuff. I've well, got... how do people find you to see all your other stuff? Oh, check me out at thehouseoflynn.com. You can always find me there or at my Facebook page, um, Lynn Chantel, author at Facebook, something like that, to that effect. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yes. And if you actually go out to my Facebook page right now, you'll probably uh, see me, a little video of me dancing. My seven-year-old uh, son that I, that I helped co-parent, uh, he did not think that anybody would like the video so well i i'm sure hundreds of likes later have proven him wrong so it's it nothing has. like proving a seven-year-old wrong right <laughs> he wants me to do another one hey you know what that could be a whole thing when dancing for us that, that there's there's a whole book right there mm-hmm mm-hmm <laughs> Oh my goodness. Lynn, you've been so much fun to have on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed you guys. Absolutely. Oh, we enjoy you. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Valerie Willis. Words. And our (laughs) awesome guest, Lynn Chantel. No, you were... She is awesome. You were supposed to say like what? and subscribe and like and subscribe and comments. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. And I'm not even drunk for this. <laughs> I know. That's the scary part, my friend. That is the scary part. Lynn, you've been amazing. Thank you for putting up with Valerie. And <laughs> we'll see you guys Pretty next fun. time. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.